This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Happy Monday, Village Church. Pastor Michael here with you on the Village Church Q&A podcast. Today and all this week, I'm in the studio with the incomparable campus pastor at Tri-Village Church, William, short for Bill, Franco. And uh, is that what people call you, Bill Franco? Is that no. What? no? My first name is actually Will Fredo. No way. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Spell that. Spell that. W-I-L-F-R-E-D-O. So there's no space between the Will and the Fredo. Yeah, yeah. It's just my first name. And then Franco is my last name. So Fredo. Uh, and I'm actually the third. There's three of us. No way. Yeah. And I sound like something you can order at Olive Garden. You, it sort of sounds like a Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm Will Frodo. Right, right. right? It does. I never thought of it that way. I like that, man. So we won't call you Bill. No, it's it's, it's Will Franco. He's a <laughs> campus pastor at Tri-Village Church, which is in Streamwood. It's about seven minutes, eight minutes from Village Church of Bartlett. And uh, they are a church plant from Wheaton Bible. No connection to the Village Church of Bartlett um, at all, even though we have the name Village Church, which, right, right. to be honest, is uh, a very common name in the Chicago suburbs, most cities had or have a village church mm, in them. Mm. It goes back to the Evangelical Free Church who planted a whole bunch of village churches in, in the cities. I didn't know that. You go into most cities, you type in village church in the Chicago area, and you're going to get, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them. Wow. Many of them changed their name. Many of them closed. Many of them relocated. So, mm. uh, But they're kind of everywhere. So, uh, But you and I have something really important in common. Number one. We went to Moody Bible Institute Amen. Yep. and uh, go Moody. Um, best best leaders in the world come out of Moody Bible Institute. Yep. yep. Number two is you, your worship leader, your main worship leader is Matt Kammer, mm-hmm. who grew up at Village Church. So yes. I have one question for you. Other than the fact that we know Matt is doing amazing um, because he's an amazing guy, what is your favorite thing about Matt? Yeah, my favorite thing about Matt is that he's always just trying to argue with me about everything. Like he's always <laughs> he's always trying to have theological conversations regardless of what the subject is. That's just how he's wired. So many of our meetings go way longer than what they should uh, just because we're having you know, a meaningless discussion about peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I'd have like a half hour sit down with Matt and it would turn into like a three hour discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and anybody listening would be like, this is completely irrelevant in every single way. But doggone it, we had fun. And uh, Matt is uh, Matt is as equally outgoing as he is thoughtful, yes, which is actually man. a very unique combination. Yes, yes. Good so, point. Uh, very good point. Matt cannot get away from Village Church. Everywhere he goes, there's Village Church. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I love that he's with you guys. Um, so you have been... Uh, the campus pastor there since you guys started about four months ago, I think. So yeah. just tell us a little bit about when you started, um, how it's going, some highs, some lows. I know church planning is exhausting, exhilarating, painful, pumped up, everything in between. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about your journey over the last you know, four months since you launched. Yeah, well, we ended up launching on September 11th. And at first, we didn't know if that was a good date or not. Um, but we went with it and actually used that day to try to almost redeem it and say, mm-hmm. hey, we want to take a day that always thought of tragically and just redeem it for the glory of God. And so we had a lot of energy to start. And like you said, we've been around four or five months now, and we have a lot of diversity. We've had several people come to receive the Lord, and we're starting small groups now. we got more and more people signing up for serving. It's like a new baby right now. It's like a new baby that you just want to show off, you know? And this actually, this Sunday is the first Sunday I'm not going to do anything at all. And it's weird. It's kind of like leaving your kid with your parents and leaving for the weekend. And so uh, I'm kind of nervous about it, but I think it'll be good Are you staying in the church? Yeah, I'll be in the building. I was going to say, come to Village Church of Bartlett for a Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. actual act of trust like i'm actually walking away and putting i'm not doing that yet i haven't done that yet i'm, I'm in the other room i'm gotcha. in the other room that's amazing yeah, yeah yeah all right so what has been one of the hardest things about planning a church for you you know what i think the hardest thing for me 
has been what's been going on in me internally. Mm. I guess I thought all my issues were going to be outside with our people or people who were visiting or people who weren't coming back. And I've realized, I, I heard uh, Christopher Yuan once say this about college, and I think it's true of church planning. He said, college doesn't change your heart. College reveals your heart. Mm. And I think church planning is the same way. I don't think I don't think church planning changes your heart. It just reveals who you actually are. Yep. My prayer life has never been better. My, you know, I've really been seeking God a lot in this season because I realized just how wicked, depraved, selfish I am. A lot of things have come out of me in this season. And you know, church planning just reveals your heart. So I think that would be the, the hardest thing. Yep. So for church planners, there are uh, temptations that are built into the very culture of church planning that you just, it's hard to even get away from. Like, for example, um, how many people were at your first service? Mm-hmm. How fast is it growing? Mm-hmm. Are you self-sustaining financially? Mm-hmm. Will you become a mega church? Like there are all these things in church planting culture that if you're not really careful, um, they can actually consume you and you start evaluating metrics that may be important to you, but aren't important to Jesus in mm-hmm. this season. Just kind of share some of the some of the temptations that you've had. Um, we haven't even got to our question of the day yet, by the way. This is more just, hey, Will, get to know everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of the just unique temptations in church planning for you that you've had to struggle with? Um, because I know that um, whether it's being a lead pastor or whatever it is, there's always just these insecurities or these struggles or these misplaced priorities mm-hmm. that we have. What have been one or two in your your time that you've seen revealed in you as you've gone through this process? Because we're part of a bigger campus. Wheaton Bible. Wheaton Bible Church. It's a fairly insignificant and small church. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. you, we, that was a joke, by the way, in case everybody's <laughs> listening, in case Pastor Boo is listening. A little sarcasm. Not sarcasm, sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> there is that pressure. There is that 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 not necessarily pressure from them. Yeah. Every time someone sees you around the Wheaton Bible Church halls, mm-hmm. they evaluate your success by, hey, how many people do you have coming? Hey, you've broken the thousand person. Right, mark. right, right. Like, right. <laughs> we just started like three oh, minutes yeah. ago, you know. Seriously. And so that that's something. And I think a lot of it again, it's just in me. I'm I'm ultra competitive. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to learn how do I stay myself without allowing that to just consume me. Yep. And what I've learned about myself is that if I allow numbers or someone coming after the sermon and saying, hey, I loved your sermon, get in and affect me. That same door is the same door that the discouragement gets through as well. Mm. So if I don't close the it door- It swings both ways. It swings dude. both yeah, ways. Yeah, wow. it's a door that swings both ways. So it's if, quite I, a hinge, so huh? if, if I think- we're doing well because of me, then when we do bad, I'm going to think it's because of me too. Yep. And so I've had to, I I would love to say it because I'm godly that I haven't done it, but it's because when we do bad, I don't want to put it on my shoulders. Yep. And so I don't want to deal with what, yeah. what that's going to do to me. So I just don't let it, I try not to let it affect me when we're doing, when we're doing well. The hard thing about church growth, especially in church plants, is that it's an interesting combination of systems, organizations, strategy, and just purely God's favor. Amen. And you can do all the systems. You can have all the great strategy. Yep. And if Jesus is like, no, not going to happen, yep. then the church doesn't grow. Yep. And then even if it does grow, there's like a bigger question of, is it new convert growth? Is it church transplant growth? Yes. Is it, you know, for me, one of the biggest wins is when people move into our community and we're mm. able to connect with them because they need a home church. Mm. And so even growth is a, it's a tricky thing to oh, kind of figure so out, you know, and we can celebrate things that actually might be kind of sad, you know, like mm-hmm. somebody might have had to break up with their old church because of pain. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, it's an interesting um, tension in yeah. terms of how you view growth and, and how you handle that. And at the end of the day, um, well, I mean, we, we're planning a church and it's going to launch in a week and mm-hmm. um, we, ca- we can build the best system. We can have the best people. But Jesus will do whatever he wants. Amen. And it's like out of it's like the most helpless thing in the planet. Yep. Cause you can't control who's willing to step up. Yep. You can't control what people are willing to give. Yep. 
you might get a bunch of people. Your core team might be a bunch of people who are jobless yep. and you have no income. Yep. You know, yep. it's like yep. you just, everything's out of your control. And so true, man. Now the question of the day, and I, and I wanted to get, I wanted people just to get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Village Church of Bartlett um, knows of you because uh, most of them in their mailers got a picture of you and your face and your family. That's right. That's right. And uh, it was funny because a lot of people, they were like, wait a minute, is that connected to us? <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, so like, they'll know what you look like. And right, then they're right, like, right. wait a minute, wait a minute. Are they a prosperity church? And we're like, no, they're not a prosperity church. <laughs> and uh, they're they're from Wheaton Bible. And they're like, oh yeah, the little emblem in the corner. So um, so uh, that actually like um, Wheaton Bible is a great reputation of Village Church. People think very highly of them. We've um, appreciated their faithfulness to the word of God and the gospel for like, what, over a hundred years now? Uh, no, 85, 85, 85, 85, almost a hundred years, <laughs> under a hundred years. You're um, a pastor. You have to exaggerate things. It Full sounds better. Of grown about, grown around. Uh, Pastor Pastor Boo is 145 years old, but he looks like he's 55 or something. It's crazy. So uh, I, I wonder if he's going to listen to this. Anyways, he's like, "Who is this pastor? How does he know my name? Yeah, I've never yeah. even seen this guy before." Um, I know people who know you. Um, anyways, uh, so the, one of our goals, though, is to allow our church just to get to know you because, again, um, we're ministering in the same communities. Amen. We love you. We're on the same team. We have zero competition. If you need resources, we want to give them to you and vice versa. And uh, and so one of the things that we love doing is partnering with uh, solid evangelical churches. Um, the way we, we kind of build this rubric is we say, um, do they believe in the authority of God's word, the purity of the gospel, or are they on, on the mission that Jesus has called them to be on? If you're there... We want to be on your team mm. and uh, do anything we can. Pray for you, encourage you, um, which makes me really excited that you got Matt on your team because mm. um, Matt is and will continue to be a blessing for you guys. So the question for today is, uh, we want to just get to know you a little bit, is how do you grow a racially diverse church? Mm. What say you, Will Franco? I'm starting to realize in this process that just like you brought up church growth, it's the same thing with diversity in a sense that if God doesn't send it, then you really can't, you know, at the end of the day, I'm an evangelist. So I don't care if it's white people, Asian people, it, black people, whatever, whoever God sends, if they, they need Jesus. I want to tell them about Jesus. But one of the things that that God really laid in my heart during this process, even when I first sat down with the leadership of Wheaton Bible Church, I said to them, uh, if you want me to do a campus, I don't want to do a video-based campus, and I want it to be different from the culture that you're creating here. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to change the theology, but I want to change the ministry philosophy and the type of people we're reaching. Yeah, because um, Streamwood and Wheaton have nothing in common. Right, Other different. than there are humans made in the image exactly. of God who need that's to be right. saved. Yep, that's yep. it. And so I, I didn't want to recreate that culture. Nothing against that culture. I just knew God had built me for something else. During my time at Wheaton Bible, I was at IDP, the Hispanic congregation, as as a youth and college pastor. But then I would also interact with Wheaton Bible. And it was funny because I always felt like I was too white for IDP. And I always felt like I was too Hispanic <laughs> for Wheaton Bible Church. And so I wanted to start a church where I didn't feel either of those things, that I could just be myself fully. And I feel that we have gotten that at Tri-Village. We've gotten that at Tri-Village. And so I think one of the ways that you build a racially diverse church, and I'm not going to lie, part of it is having having a racially diverse leader helps, right? Because even when we sent out the mailer, mm-hmm. most people came thinking I was African-American. Mm-hmm. And so- What are you? What's uh, your actual heritage? I'm Puerto Rican and Cuban. Okay. But well, I, interesting. They don't like each other. Right. How did right. that happen? I, my mom that's and like dad, a, man. That's like a Jew and a Gentile in the first century <laughs> having a kid. <laughs> right. It's like completely like, confusing. It makes you know? no sense. And yeah. the funny thing is I can't stand baseball. So you would think I yeah. would love baseball, but I hate it. Okay. Question then. Yeah. Um, so I, I like by looking at you, I can't tell what your ethnicity is. Right. Right. A lot so of people like, can't. Why, like, is that a common thing with half Puerto Rican, half Cuban? Oh, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because yeah. I'm, I'm confused looking at. I you. have I have family. I have I have <laughs> a lot of people are like I I've, people think I'm Indian. People yeah. think I'm black. People think I'm Hispanic. Yeah. And only people that know I'm Hispanic are other Hispanics. Yeah. Like it's rare that. So you're like relevant to everybody. Oh yeah, all yeah. things to Except all for people, Asians. Man. You don't look. Yeah, Asian no, I don't look Asian at all. Yeah. Man. People I don't, don't know Asian. I'm Asian, but I don't look like it. But I keep telling them no. It's, I'm kidding. I'm not. Uh, yeah. So that relax, so, everybody. Light hearts. Light hearts. Light hearts. Good. That's been something that has helped. I, I'm not gonna lie because people come and they see me and they're yeah. like, oh wait. I can relate and because they don't know what I am. Actually, I remember the first Sunday we came, we started, I, I brought up diversity and I said, a lot of you don't know what I am and you're never going to know, you know, and everyone was laughing. Um, and so that's been something that has helped. But the other thing that has helped, and 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 this is something that I've seen because at, at, at Tri-Village now we have Filipinos, we have Indians, we have Blacks, we have Hispanics. Uh, you have white people too? Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're there, they're there. That's like uh, They're the tag team, the tag team. The tag no. team? <laughs> Talking about guys, we do, we do an opposite. The team. <laughs> that oh man, that works. I'm, I'm like I'm trying to think of an exception. In every pretty, every, yeah. pretty much every church, yeah. the tag team is the white team. That's jokes I can't make unless you're here. Let me be honest. Tim and I, we can't say this kind of stuff. So because you're here, it's all okay. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So one of the things that I've seen, though, is that because there's been diversity, I have found myself being more just grounded in God's word. Mm. Now, 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 that sounds almost like, duh. Whenever I bring up culture, I almost always bring up culture now to criticize it mm -hmm. instead of celebrate it. Because whenever you celebrate an aspect of culture, let's say you celebrate Costco for oh, I, an illustration from Costco. Half the room might not even have been in a Costco in their life. You know yeah. what I mean? I bring up culture and criticize it. I rarely celebrate it mm. because the more diverse an audience is, the more you have to stay grounded in God's word because it's yep. the only thing that has yep. it's an a source Asian of continuity. Yeah, it's yep. the only thing they have in common. Yep. Every every sermon we give, one of the one of the requirements is that we dismantle aspects of culture and then mm. reform it in light of God's word. Mm, and good. so, like, it doesn't matter what the issue is. Culture processes and hears God's word through a demented lens. Mm -hmm. and we have to dismantle that and put it back together. But you're right. The continuity between every subculture mm -hmm. is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that lands differently in different cultures. We yes. can celebrate how God's word lands. Yes. But that's that's got to be the foundation of it. Right. Um, because we have to process our own cultures. Which, yes. whether you're white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Our culture brings junk to the table Amen. that the word of, that has to be filtered through the word of God. Amen. And then as a preacher, we got to expose that. That's a hefty it, What's a fun hefty though, job. what's fun about a diverse church is how people handle time and, and yeah. afterwards. Do like, you start on time for we, uh Usually, usually, yeah. usually. And But what's funny is we don't end up, uh, like at the end of it, there comes a point where all the white people have to like clean up like it's time like there's yeah. like a little timer that goes off in their head yeah. and they just go nuts like yeah. they just start putting everything together and all the Hispanics and the minority they're just sitting there talking having it and you can just see the, the two cultures just yeah. clash like yeah. these people have to get out it's uh, like Mary and Martha <laughs> yeah. right is yeah, that yeah, it yeah, yeah. like that's it totally just, it it's so... and all the white people are like they're lazy <laughs> and all the all the Hispanic people are like you don't love people <laughs> right? that's you exactly know? Like, what happens every <laughs> Sunday and then the, the, the minorities are all huggy and touchy uh, yeah. you know and everyone the white guys just want to uh, they want to just shake, shake hands, hands yeah. you know so, you know, everyone loves diversity until you're in it, you know, yeah. and then someone's standing way too close to your face when they're yeah. talking to you or they're constantly touching you, you know, and yep. it's, it, the, it's, it's beautiful, though, in, in, yeah. in its own way. It's beautiful. Yeah, it forces you. I mean, you don't sometimes realize how cultural we are until mm -hmm. you're forced to meet somebody who's in a different culture. Mm -hmm. And someone comes up to me and they kiss both my cheeks and I'm like, oh! <laughs> Right on, you know, like, do we do the lips too? I don't know. Like, and then if you're Russian, you do. You right, know? Like, right, right. Uh, yeah. 
Anyways, I, that's, that's powerful. It, it, there's a, there's a human principle, which I think is really, really valuable. And, uh, it goes, it goes like this. Basically when, when somebody walks into a room for the first time, like it's a church, whatever, every time anybody walks into our church, there's a subconscious question that they're asking, whether they realize it or not. The question is this. Who are my people? Mm -hmm. If you are 15 and you walk into a church of 90-year-olds, yep. you're asking the question, where are my people? Yep. Who are they? Yep. If you're if you are an African American and you come into a thoroughly Hispanic church, you're still asking the question, yep. Yep. where are my people? Mm -hmm. You know? And there's something about a diverse environment that we'll just say uh causes people, they still ask the question, mm -hmm. but they don't have as many demands mm -hmm. or internally, you know? Mm -hmm. um, they're a little bit more okay with it because they're looking around and they're saying, you know what? Nobody's really getting their way mm -hmm. fully, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. but that's where it's hard. If you are, I mean, full blown, like Latino and you walk into village church, which is 80% white mm. and you come in and you may see a handful of Latinos. We have Puerto Ricans and Cubans as well. Mm -hmm. And, and um, but you're still asking the question, okay, there's one or two, there's mm. three families, there's mm. four families, mm. but like, like they, they almost, it seems like they don't have a voice. Like, where's mm. my voice? Where are mm. my people? Where are we heard? Mm. And uh, that's just a fundamental, it doesn't matter if it's age, demographic, yep. gender. If I you're mean, a chick and you walk into uh, a church and it's 95% men, you're like, mm. where are my people? Yep. Um, and, and that's not a bad question to ask. It's not. Familiarity is a good thing. And it's sometimes the Lord, the, you know, he says, look, I, I understand who your people are, mm -hmm. but now it's time for you to just be with these people. Yep. And Amen. that's okay. Right. And that's where I, I think the, the racially diverse church having a pastor who's not white, right. purely just not white, right? Um, really adds to that potential. And one of the things I've been trying to teach our people is that you, every time we think of diversity or, or, or racial reconciliation, we always think of a whole bunch of different minorities coming into a room and just celebrating one another's cultures. The problem is, is that in every culture, because of the fall, there's beauty and there's brokenness, mm. right? And so, so often diversity means Let's get all the people who are different. Let's get all the minorities in here and let's celebrate the beauty of all their cultures. The problem is that their culture is just as broken as yours is. So you really don't have diversity until you're able to celebrate the beauty and criticize the brokenness. Interesting. So if I were you, you don't know what I do. I would celebrate the cultures. There's one aspect of every culture that I think is unbroken. Their food. Oh, amen. That's good. They're amen. food, baby. Amen. Like, all right, let's celebrate. <laughs> Everybody bring a dish from yeah. your homeland, yes, right? Yes. Whether you're four generations removed from right. like leaving, just you go find that dish. We're gonna have an international potluck and we're gonna chow down and eat. And then the Germans will bring beer, yes, the Italians yes. will bring wine, and then yes. all the white people will be like, eh. <laughs> you know. Especially the tag team. Anyways, I love it. I love it. I, that would be sweet. That'd be cool. We used to have an international potluck every year. I think we stopped doing it a year or two ago, and and now I'm invigorated to like relaunch it. Relaunch it, yeah. Because we have all these people who have all these uh, interesting heritages yeah. from Europe and Africa and Asia, and uh, I love that idea. And, man. I might uh, do that the too. Food I like is that. always amazing, and mm -hmm. uh, it actually draws huge crowds. Like, yeah. um, we would usually get like sixty percent of our church to go to it, which is. A pretty That's significant huge. event yeah, for like yeah. a whole church to come to. And uh, anyway, so now, now, now I'm inspired. Yeah, let's do it, man. So the question, we'll come back to the question. How do you go racially diverse church? Number one, I heard, you know, really Jesus has to build this. But number two, you have to prioritize, especially in your point leadership. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it is it is valuable and important because you typically in America will not grow a very racially diverse church if you have a thoroughly and totally white mm, leadership team mm -hmm. for better or for worse, mm -hmm. should it be that way or shouldn't it be? It right, doesn't right, matter. Right. Um, we've had families come to Village Church and say it's too white. We just need to be around more people of different cultures. Mm. It's interesting because we have a, uh, a whole group of people who we have Nigerian and uh, African mm. refugees, a mm. significant handful of them who go to Village Church. And, and uh, some people come and say, you don't have any black people at Village Church. And I'm like, 
There's like 30. Right, right, right. But they're not American. They're actually Africans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not African-American. Right. Which actually culturally is a huge difference in terms of how they self-identify and who their people are. Um, And then a lot of it is just prioritizing that value. But so here's the thing. In Bartlett, our church actually fits the demographics in terms of Asians, Mm -hmm. African-Americans. The one place where we um, are falling drastically short is in um, in. Indians, meaning from Asia. Right, right, right. Because so many of them are are Hindu, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So we we have barely any, and that's where I think we're lopsided as as a church. Mm. Um, but the reality of Streamwood is that your racial diversity in your community right. is very, very, very different than Barlow. I mean, we, our communities are neighbors. Right. And yet our racial diversity is off the charts different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. all my neighbors, all of them, they're white. I right. can't think of anybody down my whole cul-de-sac who is anything but white. Right. And yet you go to any neighborhood in Streamwood yep. and if you're not going to find an entire street of white people. No, it's no not going to happen. Yeah, I have an African-American neighbor. I have Mario, my Mexican neighbor who lives yep. across the way. Like, yeah, it's it, that's not going to happen in Streamwood. Actually, I grew up in Bartlett. And so I, for me, diversity was something that um, I always did naturally. Like I had, you know, I had my Indian friend. I had my black friend. Yep. I had a Hispanic friend. I, all my friends were just different, were different ethnicities. But when when we were looking at where to plant a church, I didn't want to come to Streamwood originally because I grew up in Bartlett and, and Streamwood to us was kind of like Samaria. And, yeah. uh, and, and I, I just didn't want to go. I grew up yeah. and I, I played soccer at Bartlett High School. And so... I was one of the only Hispanics on the team and all my friends would always tease me whenever we would play Streamwood or Elgin and be like, Hey, shouldn't you be on that team? You know? <laughs> and so they would seriously, cause I was yeah. the only Hispanic, one of the few Hispanics. And so I grew up almost feeling like this bitterness, this judgment because yeah. I felt almost superior to the, to the Hispanics in particular who were in Streamwood. And so when God and his sense of humor led me back to Streamwood, it was like, like, you know, um, Jonah going to Nineveh, yep. you know, it, it just was such a God thing that he sent me to a place, the last place I would want to go. Mm. And he's just given me such a heart for this community. It's awesome. And it's been a great thing in that Streamwood, it has a lot of diversity and I realized, man, I fit Streamwood much more than I even would have fit at Bartlett if I would have yeah. gone to Bartlett. God is funny. He is, <laughs> it's man. Like he's doing what's best for you and your family yep, yep. and your community yep. and your church. It's, it's amazing. So I want to invite you back tomorrow. And tomorrow, um, the question that you're going to answer is this. How do I navigate singleness as a Christian? So you ready for that one? Yep, Let's I'm ready. It. All right, Villa Church, um, thanks for joining us today. And uh, really glad to have Will with us. And uh, again, come back tomorrow. How do I navigate singleness as a Christian? Yeah.